This is Kelsey Dickinson, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. First off, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a member of the Craftsbury Green Racing Project and the U.S. Biathlon team. I'm here to interview Masters Biathlete Craig Wiggers. He is based in upstate New York and wrote a book featured recently on Faster Skier titled Nordic Warrior, A Midlife Crisis in Biathlon. As the title suggests, Wiggers is midlife and settled whatever crisis he may have had by falling in love with biathlon. In this episode, we learn it's never too late to pick up a new sport. Craig, would you give us a brief introduction and just tell us kind of where you are right now, what you're currently up to? Absolutely. Hey, Kelsey, thanks for uh, having this opportunity to talk with you and uh, and share a little bit about my story. Um, so currently, my family uh, and I, we live in Ithaca, New York, and I work at Cornell University as the uh, department manager for physics. I'm about 21 months into being an addicted biathlete. And uh, I had this, uh, this friend that had continued to talk to me about it. His name is Denny Sloman, and uh, we're colleagues at Cornell. And he kept talking about these races in the winter. And I was like, man, you're crazy being from Alabama. You know, it, it sounded nuts to me. And after, uh, after a while, he convinced me, hey, I need to jump in and try this. And I thought, you know, at the end, this is a pretty interesting story. For somebody, you know, 50 years old, getting into something new and trying something new. That's great. I mean, it's just so awesome to hear your enthusiasm um, for biathlon. Had you ever heard about biathlon as a sport, you know, growing up and, uh, and like with your career before you came up to Cornell? The only exposure I'd had to the sport before was just seeing the glimpses of it, you know, during the Olympics. Uh, before coming to Ithaca, my family, we lived in the Netherlands. And so Eurosport was on all the time, and I saw it there. I mean, they they showed it nonstop, but uh, but I didn't ever consider it because I didn't ever think I'd be living in a place where there was snow. And uh, so you know, after after being in Ithaca and moping around the house for six years during the winters and watching too much Golf Channel, I decided I needed to get out and do something active and and kind of. Get, get some of the juices flowing like I had when I was an active duty Marine. What are the things that drew you in? It was maybe like the, you know, the activity of it, you know, how it was connected to the shooting element. Um, are there any other things that like, I know you had that anecdote about the French horn in your book, um, which is just <laughs> yeah. how you, you find something you like and you just go, go full bore into it. Can you elaborate more on sort of what specifically you identified with or what drew you in aside sure. from the excitement. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the physicality of it and the, the fact that, you know, you really have to be in, in good shape to do this. And, um, I, I don't do it well, but boy, I, I sure want to. And, uh, you know, so the, the physical training aspect of it, getting a focus on, um, you know, something new and fresh and, and seeing Denny's enthusiasm about the sport. I mean, the guy, is, he's been doing biathlon for just over 12 years now up here in upstate New York. And once he started talking to me about it and, and seeing the level of interest I had, I mean, uh, I point out in, in my story, you know, we, we meet every Tuesday 
at 12 o'clock and we still do it, you know, now even we do virtual biathlon lunch and we just talk about biathlon. We talk about marksmanship. We talk about uh, roller skiing in the uh, summers, uh, the different training that we're doing. Uh, he has an awesome erg machine that he works out on too. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this shared interest and our friendship has really grown from that. And, and his wife, Lisa, is, is just the sweetest can be. And so it's been great building that friendship through biathlon with he and his family. Yeah, I, I really get a sense that you've really uh, meshed with the community that you've found in New York um, for biathlon, that there's a lot of really enthusiasm. It's interesting, you know, as a member of sort of the elite U.S. biathlon team, a lot of the names in your book I hadn't heard of before, but, you know, they just seem like people that had been in New York, part of the biathlon community here for so long. Um, and so that was, it was cool to see how that there's just this like thriving group of people in the area that um, are really into it. Before we kind of go backwards into the book, and I have some questions about kind of um, your history and what led you to here, what are you currently doing for, how is training going, by the way, and what are you currently doing, and what adjustments have you had to make um, with the pandemic that's currently going on? Right now, training for myself is going really well. I mean, the, the pandemic has really... I think if anything, it, I train better right now just because there's really nothing else to do. And um, so from the standpoint of getting out, doing runs, getting out and roller skiing, um, and, and I'm very, very excited to share that just this past week, uh, for the first time, I was able to roller ski five miles faster then I was able to run five miles. <laughs> so that felt like this huge, uh, huge hurdle that I that I overcame, being able to finally, you know, get some some miles under my skis and actually do it faster than I could run. I've also been spending some time out at the Dryden Gun Club, uh, which is not not really a club. I mean, it's it's a club because people buy into it, but it's, you know, just a, a 200 yard range, um, that they have out, uh, in Dryden, New York. And I have one of those, uh, Oh shoot. I can't remember the name of the target, but it's one of the, uh, biathlon targets with the standing target on top and the prone position on the bottom. I take it out, have to repaint it all the time because I keep dinging up all the white around the target. But uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, training's going good. Great. Yeah, I, I did see you had a picture of that target. In the book. <laughs> yeah, that was um, nice. And I had I'm never seen one of those before. Yeah, I wish that I had had one like growing up that I could just put up in my field. <laughs> yeah. Um, matter of fact, now that you say that, it's it's Devon MFG, um, they're out of Buffalo, and it was like two hundred thirty bucks. And you know, like I said, I jumped straight in the deep end, so I I went ahead and got all the gear, and um, so yeah, it's 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 a nice way to have that instant feedback on on your grouping and your shots. No, I understand that. That's a really big part of um, shooting training. Are you, with the roller skiing, um, do you think there's a point at which you're going to be, you know, taking those elbow and knee pads off so you, and just going for it? Or there's a <laughs> yes. fixture? I, I am happy to say that the knee pads and elbow pads are, are no longer a fixture. Uh, I do wear a helmet and gloves. And, um, you know, I've got a, we're very fortunate in our neighborhood. There's 
uh, a loop that that's just under a mile and um, the pavement is relatively smooth and you know I got kids running um, around and, and chasing me on their bikes and they're always like what is that <laughs> and I'm like Peter roller skis yeah that's like that's just part of part of the the sport of roller skiing is the comments that you get while you're doing it right <laughs> definitely a novelty looking item in the neighborhood and yeah, how's your rifle doing? I um, was kind of thinking back on this, like knowing your history in the Marines, which I have to have a lot more questions about. Sure. Um, do you clean and maintain your bathroom rifle the same that maybe you would maintain a rifle that you had when you were in the Marines? Uh, yes, to a degree. Um, I, I don't disassemble the bolt, though. Uh, I don't feel comfortable going to that level of uh, disassembly on the bolt itself. Um, so I, I focus on you know, I do take the bolt out of the rifle and, and clean it with basically like a CLP cleaning lubricant protectant and uh, clean the barrel, clean my magazines, um, that type of thing. Uh, you know, with the Marines, uh, when we're either using M M16s or M4s, uh, the the shorter version of the M16 or or the nine mil, uh, you know, our disassembly was was pretty thorough. Uh, without getting into the level of having to go to an armorer uh, to help us with that. But uh, yeah, weapons maintenance is a, is a really important factor. And, um, you know, if you want your weapon to function, I, I say weapon, I mean firearm. Um, weapon is what we referred to everything in the Marine Corps. But if you want your firearm or your rifle to, you know, function when you get out on a race, uh, which I certainly do, um, you know, I think keeping it, clean and keeping it uh in in a safe manner is really important yeah and i you know i know here like training in the east it just seems like it's a constant battle with rust um yes. you know it's just like i i think i put my rifle in the corner like for a day and and i go back and i'm like oh there's new rust on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and, and one other thing if i could share um it, because i just learned of this uh probably three weeks ago and it has to do with the marksmanship piece and training during the uh the pandemic here um i was i was looking around at some of the other clubs uh across the country and there is a, a biathlete named bryn black uh who is with the washington biathlon association out of washington state and she i mean Talk about creative. Um, she has created a website called the Dry Fire Foundry. And so what Bryn does is, and now I am taking virtual dry fire classes with her once a week. Um, she has multiple students on the screen. She puts us through uh, drills of moving on and off the mat, uh, taking a look at our trigger pressure, running through magazine changes, things like that. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of creativity and connection that is so cool uh, through this really odd set of circumstances that now I'm, I'm training with other biathletes out in Washington State uh, just in my own living room, uh, putting the mat down on the, on the floor. Oh, that's awesome here. Yeah. I, I'm actually from Washington originally. So I, um, I know Bryn and okay. I think it's really cool what she's doing. Um, she's been able to really create a good culture of athletes out there. And I know one of my green racing project teammates has been, um, you know, has been doing some of those dry fire workouts. And I think dry fire, um, 
is one of the most important things you can do. You know, it's, and it's, I'll admit it, it's really nice having Bryn's uh, disciplined focus <laughs> with an hour. You know, you finish that hour session, and you know it's a workout. And uh, I don't know that I would necessarily have the discipline to to go through those drills on my own. So I, I do enjoy the class aspect of it. Yeah, I think you know, it, it sort of gives it a framework. I think it's really easy to not know what to do when you're dry firing and to have someone be like, all right, we're going to do one, two, three. And then it kind of makes it a little bit more manageable because otherwise you just, you think there's so many things to work on. How do I know where to start? Yeah. For anyone listening that doesn't know what dry firing is, it is the process of kind of aiming your rifle and practicing your rifle unloaded. Um, you usually pick an exterior wall and, um, you have to make sure your rifle is safe. And then it's a good way to practice getting in and out of position and, and practicing some of the uh, more nuanced aspects of um, aiming and, um, and shot process that maybe you wouldn't have time to work on on the range when you're using live ammunition. So, Craig, I don't know if you have anything you'd like to add. The only thing that I would add, Kelsey, is that, you know, dry firing is, is a component of marksmanship wherever you are. And, um, you know, even as a recruit, when I went through Paris Island uh, in the summer of 1990, we spent an entire week called Grass Week just doing dry firing with the M16 before they moved us into the phase of, of actually firing our first live round. And it is, like you said, that opportunity to identify uh, where a, a shooter might be having some struggles, but also to build that foundation of proper marksmanship. So now on that note, can you tell us a little bit more about your experience in the Marines, like maybe where you were deployed, how long you were in the Marines and sort of um, then we can go into other things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Marine Corps, it's like the, uh, the world's most elite gun club. Um, we, <laughs> we, uh, I joined in 1990, uh, while I was at Auburn and, uh, I enlisted first and, uh, that was the summer that Saddam Hussein decided to invade Kuwait. So my timing was, uh, as my mom put it spectacular. Yeah. My mom and dad were, were not really, uh, too enthused about it when I joined because I joined first and then I told them, but you know, uh, once, once Desert Storm finished up and I was able to, to get back into my education and complete my degree at Auburn, you know, my, my whole goal was to become an officer. I wanted to be a leader and I also wanted to have had the experience of being an enlisted Marine first. Um, I, I think that's an important aspect of understanding where your troops are at, what they're thinking, uh, how they feel. And I think it did make me a better leader in the end. Ended up serving for 25 years, and it is, I mean, the friendships, the camaraderie, the the connections are 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 lifelong. And uh, I was very very fortunate that my wife and my two kids, who I call them my fire team, we were, uh, you know, they were so supportive through. I mean, we moved 11 times in 25 years, and uh, to include international moves. Uh, deployed to Iraq twice uh, for a total of 20 months, uh, deployed to Afghanistan and, you know, but, but at the same time had, had some really amazing experiences that I think, for example, when, when we were in Iraq, I had several interpreters that worked uh, with me. I was a team leader for an Iraqi infantry battalion and uh, we were, 
very fortunate that we were able to bring three of those interpreters and their families uh, successfully immigrate to the United States after our tours. It, it took several years, but after persistency with or persistence with uh, the State Department and uh, the embassy in Baghdad, you know that seeing their families now in the United States and and being safe and uh, you know I mean th- those are the the smaller success stories that I look back on and I'm very proud of and the fact that I I have these lifelong relationships with the Marines I had the opportunity to serve with and and. If, if I could, just real quick, one of the things I, I listened to, to Dan Nossen's interview and, you know, Dan said so many things that were so amazing about service and about that camaraderie. And, and you know, my hat's off to him and what he's been able to do, not only as a Navy SEAL, but also uh, as a biathlete. It's, it's remarkable. Do you notice any, I mean, I, I know that the there is a lot of overlap between biathlon and you know, serving in the military. Um, do you find that there's overlap with the, like the culture? Do you think that like some of that camaraderie that you have, like, is that maybe one of the things that drew you into Bathon? Uh, without a doubt, you know, the, the, the community of biathletes in upstate New York, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere else. I just haven't experienced it, but, but the folks that my wife and I have met as we've just been, you know, complete rookies trying to, to find our way has been so welcoming, so supportive, you know, very patient. And, you know, whether you're a novice or whether you're somebody that has been a former Olympian and you're just out with the club, uh, skiing the loops, I mean, it's really, it's amazing because there, there's, there's just a sincere desire to share that challenging physical experience together. And then, you know, uh, I'll remember, uh, first time we raced up at Saratoga Springs and, um, that's at Kurt Schreiner's place and, you know, his dad, uh, you know, like completely adopted Betsy, my wife, and mm-hmm. and had her doing timers at the start line and finish line. And at the end, you know, they're making homemade soup and chili in their, their ski hut. I mean, it's just, it's just cool. You know, I get a sense that a lot of that attitude that you have about life is because of your experience, you know, growing up in Alabama and with the Marines. Do you think, I noticed in the book that you have such a process-oriented approach to becoming a biathlete. Like you're not, you know, you set goals for yourself, but you're not fixated on them. You're just really into the experience of being a biathlete. Was there anything that you did that was intentional about this? Or do you think that is just like part of your personality and who you are? I think it's just my personality. Once, <laughs> I mean, once I, like I said, after hearing Denny talk about it, and then I, I go on YouTube and I started checking out Eurosport and I was like, Wow. I mean, uh, just the athleticism and the skill of the the athletes at the World Cup level and then seeing even, you know, the high school athletes around some of the the places, Osceola, Saratoga Springs up at Lake Placid, seeing these high school athletes and their athleticism, I was like, I want to be like that, you know, and I want I want to to be able to ski with good form and not be flailing all over the place. You know, it, it is a process. And I have, you know, one of my goals 
you know, for the upcoming year is just to demonstrate an improvement in my skiing and to try to shoot 60% on the range. You know, I, I want to keep a modest. Um, and if I still come in last every race, I, I don't even care. I'm having a blast. To be a beginner in something is, is, you know, I think we often go into these sports and we expect that we're going, we have to be good at it right away. You know, we have to be an expert and to just enjoy the process of learning is really special. Well, Kelsey, again, I've, I've got to admit, before, when I decided to do this, I was so, uh, so arrogant in my own brain. I was like, man, I'm a PE major. I, you know, I can shoot. All I got to do is learn how to ski. This is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> I could not be farther from the truth. And so once I got past that bit, uh, just eat some humble pie and realize, you know what, this is, this is hard. And I just need to, to take it one step at a time. Yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit more about, you know, shooting with a heart, with your heart rate with after, you know, skiing a loop um, and that, how that like, differed so much from maybe experiences shooting a firearm in the past sure um i'd say you know the shooting a firearm in biathlon with such a small caliber round at such a small target in you know 15 degree weather uh (laughs) that's no joke that is that and, and oh by the way you're trying to take your ski poles velcro off of your hands you're trying to you know step onto the mat without completely wiping out um you know coming from fast snow to a rubber mat uh so you know in my own brain i got a lot of things going on but trying to take it slow you know i'm not concerned about you know getting off the mat in 45 seconds i my my whole goal when i get to the mat and shoot and I come into the range is, is all about just changing the mindset from worrying about going up hills and downhills to just relax and try to hit black. And, um, you know, it, sometimes I do, sometimes I, well, a lot of times I don't, but the heart rate definitely is a factor. And that's something I'm, I'm trying to work on. Yeah. I, I often think that the biggest misconception about biathlon is that we slow our heart rates down to shoot. It's actually that you just learn to shoot with a high heart rate. Right, right. Yeah, and so, I mean, if you were, if you had a Marine just get dropped next to you on the range, like, what what would be your one piece of advice that you would give them? I would say uh, just to be relaxed, to focus on the fundamentals of, of the marksmanship, you know, your rear sight, your your eye relief, to your front sight post, what you're, you know, ensuring that that target remains, if you're in that good foundational position with your cuff and with your hand, uh, hand grip, you know, just let it happen. And, um, one of the things, what, what we were taught in the Marine Corps is brass F, you know, breathe, relax, aim, squeeze, shoot, follow through. And, I think, you know, those fundamentals, they, they apply to shooting a, an on-shoots or an ISMASH as much as they would an M4. Um, so I'd say just, you know, relax and let the, let the round go. Uh, the biggest difference, I think, with the Marine Corps, and I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that I never got into a firefight, but, you know, 
that's something we prepared for is that, thank goodness, nobody is shooting back. And this is a sport. This is about doing it safely. This is about making sure that the people, the other athletes on your left and right are uh, also able to participate in a safe manner. And you don't want to disrupt uh, that aspect of it as well. And, you know, when I think back to like Pete Indick, Pete is, uh, I believe he's one of the uh, race coordinators for, for U.S. biathlon as well, but he he's in the Syracuse area and he teaches our uh, safety orientation classes for the novice groups before race time. And the way he is able to set the athletes, whether they're 13 or, you know, 60 at ease and to feel comfortable with the safety of what's happening uh, both in the range area as well as out on the uh, the loops. Um, you know, he does a fantastic job with it and is is really exemplary. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting skill because you don't really know what background people have when they're coming to the range, you know, what their experience with rifles or firearms has been in the past. Um, and so you have to definitely mitigate some fear and make them feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to feel confident that when they actually, when it's their time on the mat to know that what they're doing is safe and that they're going to, you know, fire that, fire that bullet and hopefully see the, the, you know, the target fall. And if not, you know, give it another shot. I think that's really important to, realize it's such a simple sport but also you know we can make it really complex when we talk about racing but in in its essence it's quite um a simple thing we're doing uh do you think there is anything you know you're coming you've come into the sport recently do you think there's anything that biathlon as a sport could do to be more accessible um like for someone who isn't near snow but still wants is still interested and wants to try it that is a great question and and i honestly I, I thought about that a lot when I wrote my story because it, it's not just accessibility as much as it is. I think there's there's just sometimes folks just don't know. Um, and so sharing the story, sharing the excitement, sharing uh, and, and being an ambassador for the sport when you can and, and trying to encourage others to give it a try, just like Denny did with me. I mean, you know, he got me hooked and uh, I, I owe him a lot for for, you know, encouraging me to give it a go. And then not only trying, but then following up with me in, in terms of mentorship, in terms of uh, friendship and so forth. So, you know, I, I hope that a story like mine can, will, will resonate with folks that want to think about, you know, trying something new and knowing that, you know, it's not, success is in the friendships, success is in the experience, uh, not necessarily getting on a podium. Yeah, so the experience of doing biathlon is what's going to draw people in. I just know that, you know, we're always looking at how to reach a wider audience and to be more engaging because it's such an obscure sport. Um, even though it's so popular in Europe, it's really had trouble gaining traction in the U.S. Um, so do you think, I mean, do you have any more ideas of what could be more, what we could, what facets of biathlon we could highlight maybe to be, to have it be more engaging? Yeah, sure. I, I think that, one of the, the aspects that I really appreciate about the club system is that there are numerous ways that somebody can try the sport without having to 
make all of the financial investment to jump in, whether it's uh, using club rifles, uh, things of that nature. And, and, you know, honestly, I had no idea clubs had rifles that they would let you try. You know, I just wanted my own biathlon rifle, so I was going to go do it. But, um, you know, things of, of that nature. Uh, I, the other aspect that I think is I've only seen since I, uh, you know, very short time is seeing the high school uh, students, the young young boys and girls that are out competing in Nordic uh, cross country. Um, and, you know, I think those are opportunities to uh, either having representatives or even club members come to those races to support them as a volunteer or even set up an information booth. Uh, you know, nothing formal, have some hot chocolate and uh, some cookies and just say, Hey, have you thought about trying biathlon? And, you know, when, when you get to someplace like yourself, where you're able to link up with Craftsbury green racing project and, and have that, that opportunity to really hone your skills you know, that's, that's what these young boys and girls, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be there in 10 years. And um, so I think a big part of it is communication, but it, you know, to Max Cobb's credit um, and to us biathlon's credit, I, I think that they do a tremendous job with like the heartbeat podcast, uh, these different, their, their website's been updated. They're extremely accessible i mean i matter of fact i i just sent uh max a, an email just to say hey thank you for you know sharing my story in in the u.s biathlon newsletter uh, and always responsive always really friendly and and just totally down to earth and uh i, I write about it in my story but uh, you know even somebody like john morton who you know a seven time you know, whether he was an athlete or a coach with the Olympics. And, you know, I just wrote him a letter to say how much I enjoyed the book, A Medal of Honor. And, you know, he writes back and, and sends me an autographed copy of his other book, Don't Look Back, and, you know, with a, a welcome home because we'd both been advisors uh, in combat, uh, him in Vietnam and myself in Iraq. I mean, it's that kind of connection that you can make with people at the top of the sport to down to folks like me that are just trying to figure out how to stand up on roller skis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't think anyone in biathlon at the, at their core is really doing it for glory. You know, it's more about the experience Yeah, um, because even if you're at the top of your sport, you're still relatively unknown in the country. <laughs> uh, so um, switching gears a little bit, um, yeah. what is it about sort of being more like midlife um, in terms of age that makes it so, you know, sort of fulfilling and exciting to try something new. So uh, first of all, in my brain, I'm still 18, but um, physically, uh, yeah, I, th I think, you know, what was a real driving factor for my wife and I is that we had just been kind of staring at the walls of our house for the six winter months in upstate New York. And so when the two, when I really decided to dive into this. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that Betsy wanted to try classic cross country. And so we, we go together everywhere on these things. We get up bright and early in the morning to get to a race or, or whatever. And, and when I'm, you know, either out zeroing a rifle or doing warmups, 
she she put on the skis and go do a couple loops herself and so it's been a lot of fun to have this activity that we share together and we're meeting other couples that are around our age group which has been you know all of us for the most part have have kids that are a little bit older um our children my my son's uh uh officer in the air force stationed out in Hawaii and our daughter uh, just graduated from Cornell and she's out working in Colorado now. And so, you know, it's been a really fun way for Betsy and I to connect more and to have this thing where we, we're, we're not just doing it because it's, it's enjoyable, but it's making us healthier. Uh, it's keeping us focused on, you know, exercise and, and things like that. And it's, it's been great. That's great to hear. Has uh, Betsy or have your kids tried doing biathlon at all? Uh, my kids think I'm I'm pretty insane. Uh, they <laughs> they have not, but they're they're big cheerleaders. Um, Betsy has. We've talked about it, but I think uh, she said there's there's our, our finances are only set for one biathlete in the family. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It is quite a significant cost. To I got to tell you, books. Kelsey, when, when I first looked at the rifles, I mean, literally I thought, you know, I'd go to like Bass Pro Shop or, you know, Dick Sporting Goods and yeah, yeah, just, I need a biathlon 22. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, thinking 200, $300. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, uh, uh, uh yeah. But, to Betsy's credit, she uh, she saw how how nutso I was about it, and she's like, "Yeah, go ahead." <laughs> well, that's great that she's she can support your enthusiasm for it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, just a couple final questions. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the process of writing your book. Um, I think it's great that you wanted to put this book out there for other people who are curious about biathlon because there's not a lot of material out there for novices. Um. Uh, but, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about who supported you and how you were able to get the book on Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the process started um, almost as soon as I got going. I, I was journaling and, uh, you know, kind of keeping track of what was happening when. And, and I knew, you know, especially those first two and a half months, I had a really tight window for my goal of participating in the last race of the season, having never skied before and, and just getting out there. And so I was really tracking my progress and, and, you know, the experiences of going through the cross country ski classic Cornell. I mean, there are just some really funny things that, that all happened as, as I'm picturing myself, you know, uh, skiing like Johannes Tingus Bo or somebody like that uh, and really flailing all over the snow. But I, I just kept good close notes of it. And I thought as I was doing it, I was like, you know, there probably aren't too many folks from Alabama that have gone in and tried to do this later in life. Um, it might be a funny story. And so that that's kind of how it worked out. And I've I, it was a really fun project. I was able to rely on several of my colleagues at work to kind of read through a few of the chapters and give me advice. And I'll admit it, it there, you know, as a PE major, I, I'm, as I point out in the book, I'm not Ernest Hemingway, but, uh, and I'm sure there's still some edits that, that need to be looked at, but it was funny when my mom, uh, she's out in, in Portland, Oregon. And, uh, I asked, uh, her if she'd help me with some of the editing and I felt like I literally turned in a 
term paper as a senior in high school. And I mean, she, it was just red ink everywhere. (laughs) So, but it it was fun and it was a nice distraction from, you know, there's so much going on in our nation right now with uh, black lives matter movement, with uh, racial injustice, with the pandemic. um, And, and this writing the story kind of helped me have an outlet that allowed me to kind of step back from some of the emotional energy in watching the news and, and seeing the struggles that our, our country's going through right now, because uh, I'll tell you, it, it's, it is, we've, we've heard the word unprecedented so many times this year, but it is just, wow. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, we're able to get through a safe election process and uh, and and move the country forward in a in a safe and and healthy way that uh, you know enables folks like athletes on national Olympic teams to do what they want to do to uh, enable folks to have health care and and you know get education. Uh, anyway, so I'm kind of going down sidetrack, but no, that's great. I appreciate you know your like how this project really was able, it was healthy for you to have this outlet when there's so much energy and unrest and, and stuff in the world. Um, it gives you a place to, to kind of be yourself. So that's really good. Yes. Um, well, I think we're going to probably wrap up the interview at this point. Is there anything else that you would like to add or say about the project? About the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm about biathlon. Actually, <laughs> I just say to anybody that, that might listen to this and um, have a question mark about it, know that you are joining a group of, of people that are, are wonderful and that it doesn't matter if you're good or not. It just matters if you're, if you're giving it a try and, um, and have fun with it. Uh, because it, without a doubt, biathlon has, has changed my life. And, and I know that sounds a little, uh, well, I don't know. It's just giving me a more focus. And I think about it all the time. Um, I think about my training. I, I think it, has made me a better administrator in my job with the physics department, just because I, I'm I'm a little bit more organized and put together on on issues. Um, so yeah, give it a try and know that you're joining an an amazing group of athletes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Craig. And I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kate, Kelsey, and and best of luck to you and the team this winter. And, uh, you know, uh, even though the book is only 99 cents, know that all that money is coming to U.S. Biathlon. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I know we really appreciate it. Yeah. And and I I just on your note about like, I I really think biathlon as a sport, it really forces you to kind of do a lot of self-examination and understand yourself better. So I can see how like, that can help in all parts of your life. I, I know that's been my personal experience. So yeah. Yeah. But well, thank yeah. you so much, Kelsey. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>